Tonight on Huckabee, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, celebrity chef Emily Allen, comedy and magic from Mark Robinson, legendary guitarist Vince Martell. Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbury. And now, here's my Huckabee! Welcome, everybody. We have a fantastic audience with us. We actually have a few more folks because we're finally slowly and sort of methodically getting back to full capacity here in our theater. And we're so excited to have a few more folks this week than we've been able to have in a while. And they're a great bunch of people. They are. Now, when I was a kid, I loved watching the Sunday night television series, The FBI, with Ephraim Zimbalus Jr. Each episode was based on real case files from the FBI. Most of us who are baby boomers grew up with an image of the FBI as the top cops, both in their professionalism and in their adherence to the rule of law. It was, after all, the FBI who enforced civil rights protection for people of color during what would become the end of the Jim Crow era. And when local law enforcement maybe looked the other way or even actively participated in crimes that were committed by true racists against people of color, it was the FBI who would reliably and justly apply the law. So it's been very disappointing to see this once outstanding and sterling institution diminished by partisan power politics. In the past few years, we've seen the FBI caught in outright lies in order to obtain Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA warrants, to spy on then-candidate and ultimately President Trump, as well as spying on some of his staff members. We've seen an over-the-top abuse of power in the pre-dawn guns-blazing arrest of Roger Stone, and more recently, the search warrant executed on Rudy Giuliani's home and office, in which heavily armed agents confiscated all of the computers, the phones, and the files in Rudy's possession, some of which, by the way, contain privileged attorney-client information. That's hands-off, because it violates a fundamental principle of American justice that being that any person, any person, is entitled to privileged communication with his or her attorney. Professor Alan Dershowitz is a liberal Democrat. He's a supporter of Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, but he is also an esteemed law professor emeritus at Harvard Law, and indisputably one of the nation's premier constitutional scholars. He has forcefully condemned the heavy-handed actions of the FBI even suggested that a simple subpoena would have been the proper way to obtain information from the former New York mayor, who was also a former federal prosecutor and an attorney for Donald Trump. The FBI has performed numerous early morning guns-drawn searches and arrests in relationship to the January 6th Capitol riots. 
No one I know, and I mean no one, defends the January 6th storming of the Capitol by some unarmed knuckleheads. But it's hard to understand why there has been no similar interest in going after the violent Antifa thugs who attacked policemen, set fire to public and private property, looted stores and businesses, and viciously attacked law-abiding citizens on public streets in places like Portland, Minneapolis, Seattle, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and many other major cities. The FBI knew from the beginning that Donald Trump didn't collude with Russia, but they doctored documents that were then presented to a FISA court in order to smear and destroy supporters of Donald Trump. Classified documents were leaked from high-level FBI officials. They were leaked to the press. That's clear violation of federal law. Yet most all of those caught red-handed, they were never arrested, are punished, are fired. In fact, many of them collect a taxpayer-funded pension right now. Now, if the FBI can trample the rights of elected officials, including a sitting president, then what do you suppose they can do to you? Folks, it's time for a house cleaning at the Department of Justice and the FBI. But I doubt it'll happen under the current administration because the FBI has shown no interest, even curiosity, about the Hunter Biden laptop or his shady but rather lucrative business dealings with the Chinese or the Ukrainians. But it needs to matter to you because when formerly respected law enforcement agencies like the FBI can break down your door at 5 a.m., surround your family with fully automatic weapons, and gather up all your personal property and then frog march you while you're in your pajamas to a police van, all while a tipped-off crew from CNN records it on video, then it's no longer law enforcement. It's law weaponization and an abuse of power. And folks, that is not how America is supposed to work. My first guest tonight is on the front lines of the war against cancel culture. He says it's not just the woke mob we got to worry about. It's big tech and big government teaming up to exert control over every aspect of our lives. And it's time that we all fight back. Joining us now, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri, author of the brand new book called The Tyranny of Big Tech. Senator, you've been on the front lines of this. The, the, the book that you've just uh, launched is really uh, a way to help America understand what big tech is doing to us. In a nutshell, why should we be worried about big tech? I think you've got to go back at least a century to find monopolies with this amount of power in American history. And right now, the left is trying to use these big tech companies to carry out their censorship agenda, and they're having a lot of success with it. We've got to do something about it. People argue they're private companies. Why should the government get involved? It's a free marketplace. So if that's what they want to do, let them do what they want and the competition can just go and challenge them. What's wrong with that argument in this regard when it comes to big tech? Well, because in this case, when the free market isn't functioning because they are monopolies. I mean, we've recognized for a long time in this country that monopoly is the enemy of the free market. Monopoly is the enemy of capitalism. Why? Because it squelches competition. 
It, it, it puts a barrier up to new business, to new competitors. And that's exactly what these companies have done. They go out and they buy competitors. They drive competitors out of business. Look at Parler, a conservative-leaning app, a Twitter-like platform that was trying to compete with Twitter. And what happened in January? Well, Twitter got together with Amazon and with Apple and Google and basically erased Parler in 48 hours. If that's not anti-competitive, I don't know what is. And if that's not control over speech, I mean, it's an incredible amount of power that these companies have, and that's why we need to confront them. You know, even if smaller companies were to get together, whether it was a, a group of uh, oil distributors, and they said, here's what the price is going to be, we're not going to let this company over here uh, have, ha have any part of the market. We're going to keep them from getting any of the supply. Well, the Federal Trade Commission would be all over that. So how come the Federal Trade Commission and other federal agencies don't rush in and say, you guys just can't do that? Back in 2012, the Federal Trade Commission was about to launch an antitrust suit against Google. What happened? Google CEOs went to the White House, to the Obama White House, and stopped it. So that's real influence that the tech companies have in our government. That's one of the reasons that the government has been so slow to act. And not just that, what we really have, Mike, is a big government, big business alliance. It's the two of those things teaming up together, and that is bad for the American people. Well, just this week, Facebook decided they were going to continue the permanent ban on Donald Trump. This is a man who was elected president uh, by the people of the country. And in the second election, when he wasn't elected, he still got 75 million votes. And the panel that decided they would uphold Facebook is 20 people, only five of whom are even Americans. This thing is based in London. What business do they have of telling the president of the United States and 75 million of his supporters they can't follow him on Facebook? This wouldn't really matter as much if President Trump and other conservatives could say, well, I'll just go over to this other competitor. I'll go over to this other platform. There is no, though, competitor to whom the president can go because these companies are monopolies, because they are killing competition, and because they have this stranglehold increasingly on speech in this country. And once again, that's why we've got to get tough on them. I know that in writing your book, you, you take this stuff on. I've seen you in committee hearings on Capitol Hill. And there are a few of you, you and Marsha Blackburn and others, have been pretty bold in talking to guys like Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey of Twitter and others. Realistically, what can and what will Congress do? And if Congress won't do it, if you can't get enough of your colleagues to help you get that done, what can the American people do? What avenues do we have to get a grip on this? Well, what Congress can do is give Americans the right to sue these companies, is give individuals the right to go to court when these companies act in a discriminatory fashion, when they fail to follow their own terms of service. I think that would be one of the most important changes in the law we can make. Get rid of that immunity that these companies enjoy, that near blanket immunity, and allow folks to actually vindicate their rights in court. I also think we've got to pass legislation that'll break them up. It's time to break up these companies. They shouldn't have this kind of monopoly power. That's where I would focus, Mike. Now, in terms of what individuals can do if Congress won't act, we can take back control of our own lives by saying we're not going to spend all this time on your platform. We're going to reclaim our family life for our family and not allow this platform or this, this device to be part of every interaction you have throughout the day. Those are important, small, but meaningful steps that Americans can, can take uh, to put themselves back in control. 
Well, I hope it happens. Senator Josh Hawley, thank you for your time tonight. And for our audience, you can pick up a copy of the senator's new book, The Tyranny of Big Tech, right now. And I hope you will. It's a great book. Every American ought to read what's happening uh, to our country by big tech. You can also follow the senator in real time on Twitter. Keith Bilbrey is standing by. He's going to tell us why we ought to keep following the show right through the break and beyond. Well, I have good reason. Next, we have Godwink authors Squire Rushnell and Louise Duarte. Then, Mike's hilarious in case you missed it news story. Lots more Huckabee is on the way. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. Now, before we continue, all of us here want to wish a very happy anniversary to Leroy and UV Evett of Little Rock, Arkansas. They grew up together. They've known each other most of their lives, which is 103 years for Leroy and 101 for UV. They just celebrated, get this, 80 years of happy marriage. 80 years. That's pretty amazing. And their advice for a good marriage is exercise, eat right, communicate, and have great grandkids to keep you young. And as for who should be in charge, I love this. Leroy said, he's the head of the house, but UV's the neck and she controls the head. <laughs> I think that I now see how this marriage lasted for 80 years. So we want to say to Leroy and to UV, happy 80 years of marriage. We hope for you 80 more. And by golly, you might just make it. <laughs> Squire Rushnell and Louise Duard are another great husband and wife team. They created the best-selling Godwink book series. I think they wrote their new book just for me. It's called Dog Winks true God-wink stories of dogs and the blessings they bring. Would you welcome back to our show two of my dear friends, Squire Rushnell and Louise Duarte. Great to have you guys back. Great to see you. So <laughs> when, sorry about your problem. Yeah, well, thank you. You know, when we had this scheduled, this was long before I knew yeah. that both of our dogs and my family uh, would pass away within a three-week period. I, I saw you coming up, and I said, oh, boy, this is going to be a tough one to get through. Yeah. But thank you, and thank you for this beautiful book. Thank you. It's Dog Winks. Yes, yeah. and, you know, dogs and God are very similar, if you think about it, because <laughs> God gives dogs these attributes that he has. Yeah. Gentle and kind and unconditional love, faithful, Loyal. always there in the moment. Yes. And, you know, a Godwink is one of those little coincidences that you know is not a coincidence, yeah. but comes from a divine origin. But a dogwink is simply a true Godwink story that has a dog right in the center. I mean, who doesn't love great dog stories? That's yeah. what this is, a compilation. Yeah. But these are true stories. Yes. All true. Yes. So yeah. do you have a favorite? Louis, well, or, or Squire? Uh, the first story that's in this book is actually going to be uh, our first Netflix movie. 
that's going to be coming out next year. And this is the story of Ruby, a seven-month-old pup who was high energy because she's Australian Shepherd and Border Collie. And, um, and then there, and she was at the, uh, at the uh, uh, SPCA in Providence. Mm. Now, the lady trainer there was a name by the name of Pat Inman. She would get the dogs ready for their adoption interviews, you know, to make sure they put the best paw forward, <laughs> you know? And, and so, but Ruby was unmanageable and returned five different times. Wow. And had nipping on the report, and that got the lawyers all afraid, and so Ruby was on the euthanasia line oh. list. She was gonna be put down in two hours. Pat said, you can't do that to Ruby. Ruby is such a beautiful dog. Can't you call the state police, the, the canine unit? Maybe they'll take her. They said they'd never taken any of our dogs. They get these dogs that cost $15,000 bread for search and rescue. Yeah. She said, well, can you try? She left and she said, I can't even bear to look back and find out what happened to poor Ruby. Well, they felt guilty. And so they thought they'd try her idea. And so they called the commander of the state police. <laughs> On Godwink, for the first time, his budget had been cut. He wanted a dog that was going to match with a young officer named Trooper Dan. So he said, well, I'll take a look at this rescue dog. Well, he matched him up. Two years went by. Cold night in Providence. Freezing weather. There was a boy lost in the woods. They sent out the canine unit. Ruby gets there, goes into the woods. Officer Dan follows and catches up, finds Ruby at the bottom of a ravine, licking the face of the boy, all bloodied. He has a, a very faint pulse. The other team come, they put the boy on the stretcher, take him to the hospital. Now, Officer Dan goes to visit the parents to tell them the good news, and they say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the mother says, but officer, have you ever heard of a dog named Ruby? He said, ma'am. Ruby is the dog that just saved your boy. And she said, my name is Pat Inman. I'm the volunteer trainer who advocated for Ruby to live. I never knew what happened. He said, ma'am, that means that Whoa. the dog you saved is the dog who saved your son's life. Okay, we're done. That's it. Oh, my soul. That's a God no wink. Wonder. Dog wink. No wonder that's going to be a Netflix special. Yeah, that's that going to be a be. Netflix no, movie. Look at us. Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful reminder of that in Dog Winks. These books, Godwinks books, have sold over a million copies. There's a reason for that. People are uh, truly attracted to what those stories are. This one, Dog Winks, is available right now. And you can find it and the rest of the books. And then share your own Godwink or Dogwink story at Godwinks.com. Also, follow Godwinks on social media for some much-needed daily inspiration. And by the way, every member of our audience tonight is going to be receiving a copy of Dogwinks. <laughs> Keith Bilbury has got your daily dose of what's coming up next. And he is going to inspire you when he tells you all about it. Oh, what a story. Coming up, Laugh with Mike's In Case You Missed It news story. And still to come, comedic magician Mark Robinson. Stay with Huckabee.
Here's a reminder that I'm going to be hosting a cruise tracing the steps of the Apostle Paul, October 24th through November the 2nd. And I know that many of you are ready to travel again and live again after being in a year of lockdown. So come with me. We've got the entire ship to ourselves. It's going to be a time to be inspired and soak in the beauty of the Mediterranean. Now, when I say soak in the beauty of the Mediterranean, I don't mean we're going to be soaking in the Mediterranean. <laughs> the ship will not sink. I'm pretty sure of that. Come with us. Go to thegreatesttrip.com. You'll get all the details, and I hope you'll be with us. Well, from way too early retirement to a gender reveal party that was a real blast, we got the mother of all weird news on this Mother's Day edition of In Case You Missed It. Now, even when we're all grown up, mom is always there to help. For instance, 19-year-old Madison Cahoot was moving from Arkansas to Oklahoma to start life as a nursing assistant. So her mom went online and found her the perfect apartment. It's spacious, the rent is low, and Madison loved it. She lived there a week before she realized she was the only teenager in a retirement community. Well, she had recently been a senior in high school, so I guess that's what mom was thinking. Anyway, she thought the neighbors were her age because they all had blue hair just like her. Wow. <laughs> anyway, her pretty slim for dates. I think so. But her mom swears it was an honest mistake and it had nothing to do with keeping her daughter away from any males under the age of uh, 70. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know what? Madison loves it there. And here's why. Her neighbors tells her stories, they feed her home-cooked meals, and they never complain about her loud music. Wow. Because they can't hear it. That's why. <laughs> Can we relate to that, Keith? You may have started a trend here. I don't know. I know. Anyway, if they ever try to evict her, she'll just claim that she identifies as being 83. She'll get There you go. I feel that way sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, Kingston, New Hampshire was rocked by a big boom. It shook homes for miles. Police traced it to a rock quarry. That's where a man needed somehow to make a cloud of blue chalk for a gender reveal party. <laughs> so he used 80 pounds of explosives. Whoa. See, ladies, this is why you never ask a man to plan a gender reveal party. That's right. Can you imagine how many cannons he would have rented if you'd asked him to throw a baby shot? Yeah, wow. Well, miraculously, and this is truly a miracle, nobody got hurt. Uh, police weren't sure what to charge him with. But I think assigning a gender to a baby is a felony now anyway, so you shouldn't be doing yeah. that. <laughs> uh, all right, finally, for last-minute shoppers who couldn't figure out what to get uh, mom, you know, the one who has everything, BuzzFeed and the Huffington Post has some suggestions, so here they are. If your mom met your dad at a roller disco in the 70s, she might like this USB-powered strobe light that turns her cell phone into a disco ball. Okay. Hey, Keith, I think you need one of these, so. I, I'd kinda like to have one. Well, you know, one I'm of the reasons why is that way people could say, hey, the 70s are calling. They want their wardrobe back. <laughs> <laughs> I love the 70s. Uh, I miss my bell bottoms, you know. Uh, 
Please. thought you were still wearing those, huh? <laughs> well. Did you ever have a leisure suit? I did. And it you admitted a, it just it, now. It was, it was, I really hate to say this, but it was lime green. And I thought that was the <laughs> coolest thing in the world. Can I ask you a favor? Oh, what? Don't ever wear that to this show. <laughs> Please. I've saved don't it for ever. posterity. When I think that the stories on these shows couldn't get any worse. It, well, it just did. <laughs> Somehow seeing Keith in a lime green that leisure suit. Me. It was. Mm -hmm. It's gross. painful thinking about it. <laughs> anyway, all moms want their bathrooms to smell nice. So let Russia's best-looking man, best-looking by national mandate of the Russian government, let him help her with that by giving her a bottle of Vladimir Putin laboratory mist from the spymuseumstore.org. There actually is such a thing. Now, it'll make your problems disappear. I mean, you know, when all those Democrats thought they were sniffing out Putin, maybe this is what they were really smelling. <laughs> There are way too many lines here. I, I think can't so. Use any of them. I... <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. I'm not saying Come on, Trey. Go away. <laughs> I got no. Mm -mm. Finally, if you're actually considering her giving her any of these gifts, then give her something she can really use, like the original Scream pillow. It's a pillow that she can scream her frustrations and disappointment into without waking up the neighbors. Oh, I love high. that idea. Yeah. I think they need one for men, too. Like a, uh, what do you call them, stress balls? Stress balls, yeah. you squeeze them, yeah. Well, before you start screaming into your couch pillows, I'm going to stop right there. But remember, we read the news. So you don't have to. Next, celebrity chef Emily Allen with a Mother's Day breakfast feast. And later, rock and roll star Vince Mattel. Lots more Huckabee is on the way. back in with a little Seals and Croft music. A big hand for Trey Corley oh, and the Music City Connection. Why not? Yeah, they're cooking over there. We're going to be cooking over here because Emily Allen's quirky vintage style and cat-eye glasses have made her one of the most recognizable Food Network stars on all of TV. Her cooking prowess guarantees her culinary style will become a staple among your recipes. Now, you know her from The Cooking Channel, HGTV, Cupcake Wars, and morning shows nationwide. Here to take us all to boarding school with a special Mother's Day breakfast board, would you welcome the retro rad chef, Emily Allen. Yeah! We're excited to have you here, Emily. My absolute pleasure. <laughs> Keith and I have to be begged to come do these cooking oh, yeah. segments because, you know, you can look at us and tell we don't eat much, but we're, oh, we're going to do yeah. our best. So, you know, I am a, a teacher. Yes. You know, I have more degrees in this Teach than us, you please, Emily. Yes. And I want to teach you that one of the hottest trends right now 
is actually these gathering boards. Uh, and uh. so having these charcuterie platters that aren't just- Charcuterie. Charcuterie. You ever heard that word? I never, I didn't use that in cooking. I've seen it on the menu, I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> you know, like charcuterie. a meat and cheese platter, guys. Now that I understand. Oh, okay. I got yeah. that. I'm with you now. And then you doll it up and you take it to a whole nother level. So I was suggesting for yeah. Mother's Day. Uh-huh. Now, guys, you're taking notes, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Everyone out there, you're taking notes. Come on. <laughs> you bet. Okay. For those of you who don't really want to cook, but you want to wow mom, uh -huh. definitely do one of these charcuterie platters, but make it more of like a Bellini bagel board with all the fixings that everyone in the family will go for. Mm -hmm. And then... If you're, you know, waffling about maybe cooking up something for mom uh -huh. and you really want to, like, you know, make her something yeah. delicious, you could do a big waffle topping Ooh. board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Knock me down. Let's all right. Do it. Let's hope all the equipment's going to be working and it's not quite a food fight. Well, maybe it is. You guys can make it a competition. Okay. All right, open up your blenders, and for all of you at home, it's this simple. Right. You're gonna make the entire recipe in the blender. You can get the recipe mm. online. Okay. And I've laid out the ingredients. So the first thing you wanna do is put milk and oil. So there's a cup of milk and a half cup of oil. All of that? Yep, all of that in your blender. Okay, okay. got it. Uh, all right. so fun. Half cup of ricotta, and if I've gotten the ingredients wrong, will you check me on my website? Is that ricotta? <laughs> you say That's ricotta, and I say tomato. There we go, ricotta, okay. tomato. We may need backup over here, okay. guys. <laughs> and then we take this? Yes, that is flour and brown sugar. Okay. Add oh. that. Um, you're gonna put salt, baking soda, or baking powder, rather, vanilla, oh, and yeah. peanut butter, and I have a spoon to scrape. Okay. And then a whole banana. Whole so this banana. is like an entire breakfast in one Feeling good old all, huh? Yep, mm. in a blender. There okay. we go. Which one do I push? I don't know. Oh boy. Have you ever used a blender before, Keith? Uh, yeah. I think you have to hold an, oh, there we go, let's see. Okay, you are all set. But, guess what? He made enough for both of us. Yeah. That's a good thing. Not a problem. Okay, everyone, look at that. It is a nice, like, gooey consistency. It's not going to be thin and smooth. Not with, well, that is a I mess. I think mine is. <laughs> Trey, do you like to lick the spoon? I'm Feel sorry, free. Governor. Okay. I sabotage this food fight. Uh, you obviously know my favorite. Was that, was that a ritual at your house who got to lick the spoon? That, that was of course it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. This you got in fights over who got well, to lick the spoon. Well, my dog and me would always fight over the spoon <laughs> is how that worked. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Just like Waffle House. Just like Waffle House, guys. Mm. It's smoking. Everyone at home, this is going to be a testament to this recipe works when these come out. You think it will? Oh, yes, I know While it's we're waiting to. on them to cook, I gotta ask you, this is Mother's Day weekend. Yeah. Is there something happening in Emily's life that you might want to share on Mother's Day weekend? Are you suggesting why we have this big table in front of no, me? No, right I'm just wondering if there's something you might want to I reveal. Haven't, I haven't been licking all the spoons. I haven't been eating all. I am actually. Aha! And who is finding out by way of this television show? Mom, I'm pregnant! <laughs> I hope you're watching! <laughs>
You know she's excited right now. Everyone's crying. That's pretty cool that your mom finds out on Mother's Day weekend on our show. He could care less how these waffles I know. turn out. Yeah, forget like, the what? waffles. Great. Look at there. Oh, yeah. Cinnamon and sugar, please. Ooh. All right. Oh. Okay, grab a fork off your okay. mama's plate. Okay. okay. I need you to dig in and no tell problem. me. How is it? This will set you free. <laughs> it will. High protein. This is fantastic. So good. Mm. By the way, you can find Emily's great recipes and a whole lot more. You won't find Keith and me, but you'll find a whole lot more at her website, <laughs> emilyellen.com. They don't share And follow them. her on Facebook to join her mom and kiddo live cooking party. That's right. Now, Stick around. We're going to be eating, but when we come back, magician Mark Robinson is going to be coming right up. He's not going to get food. Next week, join Mike's guest, Texas barbecue chef Robbie Schultz hitmakers mercy me well i hope you're a subscriber to my podcast the people's podcast but if not you should be great guests and commentary each week available at quakemedia.com slash mike our next guest is an award-winning magician comedian and author of the book amaze your audience and as a corporate speaker, he brings laughter and motivation to companies all across America. Please welcome back Mark Robinson. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Well, I am excited to be here. You guys ready to get this party started? Yeah! Let's do it. Check it out. I just want to mention, this is already way better than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, my name's Mark Robinson. I am, have a background as a stand-up comedian and a magician, but I make my living now as a motivational speaker. I take topics like sales and customer service and leadership and make them fun and energize them for my corporate customers. Uh, but I'm frequently asked to speak on communication. And when, I, when they ask me that, I always say, you don't want me to speak on communication. You want me to speak on listening. Everybody can talk, right? So 90% of the failures in communication happen on the listening side. 
I'll give you an example of this. These are three easy questions, and if you just help me out, everybody kind of chant the answers out together. What is the color of this piece of paper? White. What do cows drink? Milk. No, they drink water. We drink milk. <laughs> Nobody's really listening. That's my point. And yes, you laugh, but it's much, and this happens especially when you're maybe in a leadership position or you know a lot more about the topic than they do and you're ready to tell them, tell them, tell them. You could have somebody giving you grief at work and for all you know, they got a problem at home that they're bringing to work and you're missing all the cues because you're too busy talking. I was talking to a friend about the same thing. He was talking about the letter, um, oh shoot. What do you call the raised lettering that deaf people use? Yeah, it's blind people, not deaf people. <laughs> Nobody's listening. And why does this happen? Because the moment you hear me say raised lettering, you know the answer. You don't need to listen to me anymore. You tune me out and we've missed the most valuable information we need to help somebody. The best salespeople, the best customer service people, the best leadership people are the best listeners. After each show, I am usually asked by somebody to go, hey, would you teach me a trick that I can show my kid or my grandson or whoever? I now teach a trick in the show and I like to use the person who uh, knows more than anybody. And that is uh, my phone. I have Siri on mine. I don't know who you have on yours. Uh, Siri literally knows everything. So I thought I would uh, show you how easy it is to learn a trick. I'm gonna turn the Bluetooth on so you can hear through the speakers, hopefully. Hello, Siri. Hello, Mark. Can you teach me a magic trick? Did you say teach me a magic trick? Yes. Okay, I will teach you a magic trick using objects in your vicinity. What objects do you have nearby? I have a cloth napkin, a banana, a Perfect. piece of... All right. We will use the cloth napkin and the bandana. Cloth napkin, banana. Perfect. Pick up the bandana. Let's just roll with it. And fold it in half. That's right. Fold it in half. Now fold it one more time. Now hide the folded bandana in your hand. Remember to look natural. Now we are ready to begin. Open the folded bandana. Show the audience it's a regular bandana by waving it up and down. If an audience member does not believe it's a real bandana, allow him to wipe his face on it. You're good. Pick up the cloth napkin and gather the four corners, forming a makeshift bag. Fold the bandana along the creases you made earlier. And drop it into the makeshift bag.
from the outside of the napkin squeeze the bandana into a small ball. What the audience didn't see is that you never put the bandana into the bag at all. You kept it hidden in your hand. Now make a magical gesture over the bag. For the big finale, fling open the napkin and receive your well-deserved applause. So where is the banana? We've got to know. We, we, we need to find out. The banana has vanished. That's that, all magic. Siri sometimes does mess us up, doesn't she? <laughs> yes, she does. And it's the perfect analogy for what I do. I try to take uh, a real-world thing, make it magic, but yet still make the point about uh, communication in that case. You know, having sat through many PowerPoint presentations at corporate board meetings and other things, I can understand why corporations had rather have you come in and do a little comedy, a little magic, and a motivation. Did any time you were doing one of these presentations, the magic fell apart, and then you were left up there on the stage wondering, what do I do now? It has been many years, <laughs> but there are no... Uh, there's no comedians who have not bombed. I don't care if you're famous or not. There are no magicians who have not had something uh, go wrong on them. And, uh, and so magicians have something they call outs. They'll have multiple endings to the same trick. Ah. So if the good ending, we go to the second ending, and then hopefully not the third ending. But, uh, but once you get to a certain point, things don't go wrong. You know, you got it. You, the, you got rid of the banana, so it worked beautifully. <laughs> and to see more amazing magic and to book Mark Robinson for your next gig to entertain and inspire a group or company, why don't you visit his website, bestmotivationalspeakers.com. And we love having him here. Keith Bilbrey, I bet we got something else coming up tonight that people will want to stay for. What is oh, it? Oh, you better believe it. Still to come, a founder of psychedelic rock band Vanilla Fudge, Vince Martell, is next on Huckabee. Welcome back. Now, I know you knew the tune that was just playing, and it was You Keep Me Hanging On, a cover that a phenomenal band called Vanilla Fudge did. Well, Vince Martell is a founding member of the psychedelic, psychedelic 60s rock band Vanilla Fudge. The Fudge rose to fame in 1967 by taking that song, Diana Ross and the Supremes' hit You Keep Me Hanging On, and turning the Motown song into a psychedelic rock anthem. Vanilla Fudge's arrangement of distorted guitars, layered drums, and gospel organ influenced other bands like Deep Purple, Styx, and Led Zeppelin. Vince's autobiography, it's called Psychedelic Solo, is out right now. I want you to welcome, we're so honored to have him, Vince Martell.
Yes, what a joy to have you here. You know, for guys like Keith and me, grew up with the music of Vanilla Fudge, this is a really big deal to have you. You know what? I was reading that Led Zeppelin opened for you guys back in the day. Exactly. Uh, we had great management, and uh, they wanted to break into the U.S. of A., and our management said, okay, let's give these guys a shot. So we did, and the rest is history with them. They took off. The Vanilla Fudge had such iconic, uh, powerful music. I mean, all of the musicians in the band were, I mean, world-class musicians. Did you guys, I mean, how did you ever get together and bring that kind of talent together in a band? Was it just organic that you knew each other and made up a band? No, we didn't know each other, at least I didn't. I had uh, uh, just finished a stint in the Navy, uh, went in a, a, a Cuban crisis, the Kitty Cruise, uh, came back to, New, to uh, New York. My folks moved to Florida. I was down here a little while, came back up to uh, Jersey, passed my cards around in the Union Hall, 802, uh, Rosalind Ballroom, 52nd Street, and uh, an agent gave a card to a band. Next thing I get a call from a guy named Joey Brennan, who was a drummer who was working with Mark Stein and Tim Bogart. And uh, they were getting rid of the guitar player for whatever the reason was, and they were looking for somebody. So that's how we got together. And I didn't know them before that. Well, you, you made some of the greatest music of the 60s. Uh, what people may not know about you, they know you're a legendary guitar player and vocalist. Thank you. But a strong supporter of our vets, and somebody who loves God, and even on the back of your uh, vest, it oh, just sure. says a great Christian message. So that's sure, something sure. most people would sure. never know about Vince Martell. You love God yeah. and our country and our veterans. You are one. So you're still making music. I think it's so fantastic. And I think it would even be more fantastic if you and I go over and we make some music tonight. Can I we like do that? that? Let's do it. I think we should. Well, I want our audience to get a copy of your autobiography because it is a spellbinder of those wonderful years. Keith, tell the folks at home how they can get this book. Well, you can get your copy of Vince Martell's Psychedelic Solo by going to his website, vincemartell.com. While you're there, you can also find his music and a whole lot more. Now, with the world premiere of Life Runneth Free, is Vince Martell. Thank you. I'd like to say thanks to the good Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. The eye hasn't seen, the ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the promises that God has for those who love him.
Thank you.